This is an AMI podcast. I'm Joyita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. In the last year, the pandemic has changed life as we know it. Many of us have worked incredibly hard in frontline jobs, including retail and healthcare. For many more, we have been driven indoors. Work and recreational activities have all moved online. Now, with vaccination rates climbing across Canada, we are faced with a new challenge, going back to the way things were. For some people, reopening is a source of anxiety and stress. It means going back to long commutes, sending kids back to school, making small talk, and putting ourselves out there when all the advice for the last year has been to stay socially distanced. Today, we discuss reopening anxiety. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Hello and welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. I'm Joyita Gupta. I hope everyone is doing well and that you're getting your vaccines. For those of you who have gotten your first jab, I hope you're getting your second one. I myself am going to get my second shot on Monday, so just a few days from now when um, you know it was very convenient to book it and I went in and I got my first one. It really went off without a hitch. And then with the second one, they actually sent me a reminder saying, okay, you should get your second shot done as well. So it all went off quite smoothly. And I hope that uh, you're all finding that the systems are accessible and that people are being helpful at your local uh, vaccination clinic or site. There's obviously a lot of information online. I know in Toronto, there was a, a, an accessible vaccine clinic for people with disabilities. So hopefully they'll do something like that again in Toronto and in other places across Canada. So do get those vaccines. And as I said in the monologue, with the vaccination rates climbing, a number of us are getting a little anxious about going back to the way things were, myself included. And so I'm joined today by Dr. Arlene McDougall, who is assistant professor in the departments of psychiatry and epidemiology and biostatistics at the uh, Schulich School of Medicine and Dentistry at Western University. She joins us today from London, Ontario. Hello and welcome to the program. Thanks so much for chatting with us about reopening anxiety. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me today. At least you're not anxious. <laughs> um, so, you know, when we talk about reopening anxiety, what exactly are we talking about here? Well, I mean, there's many people who are feeling a sense of relief and hope and excitement uh, with the news that numbers are coming down, vaccination rates are going up, and it's looking like we're going to have less and less restrictions in the weeks to come. However, with that reopening, a lot of people may feel a sense of reluctance, worry, concern about what this next phase of the pandemic is going to be like for them. Who do you think is susceptible to reopening anxiety? Is it people with a, a pre-existing condition? I mean, there are people who are diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder or panic disorders. Are they more susceptible to reopening anxiety? Or is this more of a, a general condition that we might all want to be thinking about? Well, certainly mental health and, and mental illness run on a spectrum. And we're all at 
someplace in that spectrum at any given point. Uh, Certainly people who already have pre-existing mental illness, including, you know, anxiety disorders like social anxiety, generalized anxiety, uh, panic disorder, others may have um, increased anxiety due to, for example, um, having to face uh, fears or worries that because of the pandemic, they may have been able to minimize or even avoid. Certainly people, though, without a history of mental illness may still have some worry or reluctance in terms of what the next phase of life uh, will bring them. Mm. Do you think that there is some antecedent or a precedent? I mean, how do we know that this is actually a thing? Is this what clinicians are hearing from their patients? Uh, Do we have other examples where people have gone through a transformative experience of some kind and then they deal with anxiety in the aftermath of, of that? What does the research tell us is the likelihood that reopening anxiety is a genuine problem for a lot of people? Well, I think, you know, as a clinician, as a psychiatrist, you know, I have um, seen uh, through my patients you know, the trouble that they've had during the pandemic, the, the stress, the loss, the challenge, but also their, their concerns and worries about um, how their life is going to be adjusted again um, after mm-hmm. kind of coming to a new normal, what will it be like uh, with, with the days and weeks and months ahead. Um, certainly, we know that people who've experienced significant loss, significant trauma, change in their life, it takes time to you know, develop the, the skills or the understanding, the meaning that comes from that uh, difficult time. And what many people have been through over the last 16 months is, is quite heavy um, from loss of job, loss of social connections, uh, changes in how they work how um, they connect with their loved ones and uh, their health and or the health of their loved ones has been um, affected. And so I think it takes time to really process what this experience or experiences have been like, how have they changed us in ways that um, may be both negative and positive and come to a place of understanding as to how it's going to guide us moving forward. Hmm. And I know a few minutes ago you said we'll talk a little bit about the ways in which we can deal with reopening anxiety, but before we get there, how might someone know that they're facing that they're having a, a problem? I mean, where is the line between feeling a little nervous about a, a shakeup in the normal routine but, uh, compared to something that might be uh, of concern to a clinician? What are the telltale signs or symptoms of acute reopening anxiety? Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's certainly normal to feel a bit worried, a bit anxious, apprehensive um, with uncertainty, right? Um, so mm-hmm. that's not necessarily, you know, an illness or, or pathology. Um, And it often, you know, is resolved by really just sticking to the facts, you know, following public health guidelines and um, not avoiding what is making you concerned completely, but rather gradually sort of exposing yourself to that concern and um, and engaging in various supports. However, for some people, if their anxiety becomes so significant that they begin to really have a difficult time functioning in their day-to-day lives. So for example, their sleep is significantly affected, not just for 
a brief period, but for days and weeks, um, they struggle to be able to focus or concentrate in their work places or in social settings. They may avoid, um, you know, relationships or their relationships are significantly strained because of their anxiety. Um, so any real, you know, significant impairment in their day-to-day functioning over a period of of usually more than at least a couple of weeks, if not longer, you begin to think, okay, this person may require more support, more care, and a proper assessment by a professional. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought up relationships because, you know, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm quite an introvert and the pandemic has actually given me a bit of an excuse to have a socially acceptable reason not to interact with people as much as I may have to. And I've one of the nice things about the pandemic, if I can call it one of the, the silver linings, is just the, the lack of small talk. And so at least for myself and I suspect for other people as well, having to go back to a situation where... Uh, there's an expectation of a lot of small talk. There's a far more social interaction than one might be comfortable with. Do you think that that might be contributing to reopening anxiety? And if so, then how does one deal with that? You can't get out of talking to people, right? Certainly. Social anxiety and social anxiety disorder are fairly common um, in in our population. And, um, you know, people, what, what happens is, they begin to, for example, feel more apprehensive. They worry about how they may come across or how they may be judged in a social setting. They become uncomfortable with, um, you know, making appointments or making small talk. And if it gets to the place that it's really impairing, they may, you know, have a difficulty with day-to-day uh, tasks or roles. Through the pandemic, you know, because of the restrictions, people have been able to minimize and essentially avoid social interactions that previously maybe made them uncomfortable or or feel significant worry and tension. And so now with the reopening, um, there's this expectation that we return, for example, to uh, workplaces, to public spaces, shopping, um, and other spaces that we were likely to avoid um, because of the restrictions over the last 16 months. And so that could be pretty daunting for people with um, various degree of social anxiety. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely think my social uh, small talk muscles, whatever, they've certainly atrophied in the last year or so. Uh, The other thing I wanted to chat with you about is the shifting landscape um, around mandates to keep washing your hands, uh, to wear masks, not to wear masks, uh, to socially distance or not to socially distance. Do you think people might be anxious even about, you know, hugging a relative or something that brings them into really close contact with people or the changing messages about some of the things that we've, uh, dare I say, taken for granted over the last 12 months just to keep ourselves and everybody else safe? What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think people, you know, do likely have some you know, worry about, okay, what is what is safe, what is expected of me? Um, and, you know, there's some uncertainty about you know, even if you're vaccinated, one dose or two doses, is it going to provide, you know, the safety or the coverage that I need to keep myself and my loved ones safe? You know, so a lot of people still have some worries because there is still some uncertainty in terms of how 
the pandemic and, and the vaccines are going to play out in the coming months. And so questions about, well, are masks still going to be required in certain spaces, uh, social distancing requirements, and, you know, when are we safe, when are we not safe, all of this uncertainty can drive uh, worry and anxiety. I'm Joita Gupta, and with me today is Dr. Arlene McDougall, who is Assistant Professor in the Departments of Psychiatry and Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the Schulich School of Medicine and Dentistry at Western University. She's in London, Ontario. Before the break, we were chatting a little bit about social anxiety and the linkages between social anxiety and reopening anxiety. And one of the things that I think a lot of us are struggling with is how to have conversations that involve uh, tangible, you know, substantial issues like a sense of grief or the losses that we've all had in the last year, obviously far off the mark when it comes to small talk, but how do you recommend that people approach some of those heavy conversation topics with people that they haven't seen in a while? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, it first starts off with creating that space for yourself to be able to reflect and process on your own experience, uh, which again, for many, will include loss or difficulty or challenges, and have the opportunity to understand what it means to you um, today and, and moving forward in your life. What meaning do you take from it? And then taking the time and space, creating that space to check in with others. You know, these aren't uh, quick, small talk conversations. Um, they need space and they need time and usually more than just one conversation. So how do we create those spaces for our friends, our family, our, our co-workers and others in our life to, um, to have those discussions? You know, how are you? And being intentional and mindful of, of what they're sharing with you. So really listening to learn, listening to validate um, the other person's experience. That can go a long way and it's a real gift that we can give to other people. So you know, starts with kindness, starts with compassion and creating that space and that mindful, intentional uh, listening. Mm. Uh, the other day I read an article about reopening anxiety where they related an anecdote about a woman who was trying to organize a party for her kid and had a color-coded system where depending on how many uh, vaccine doses you'd had or if you'd had them all, if you hadn't had any of them, you would wear a shirt of a particular color. So you would kind of color-code your vaccination status. Uh, she had obviously meant well, but it ended up creating something of a caste system. So how do people have those conversations about, uh, you know, seeing relatives when they themselves have not been vac vaccinated fully or if they want to check in with a relative or a friend about their vaccination status, that might be a source of anxiety for a lot of people. They don't want to say the or do the wrong thing. What do you recommend? Well, I think for sure we always have to start with following, you know, the science, following the facts and, and what public health is recommending in terms of gathering limits and, and other restrictions. And then we need to understand our own risk tolerance. You know, what are you as an individual comfortable with in terms of the gathering limit or the vaccination status of people that you'll be gathering with in an indoor or outdoor capacity. Um, and then it's about having those discussions. They're not necessarily going to be easy, and uh, but they're worthwhile in order to understand the risk tolerance of other people, um, be able to share your own, and come to some, uh, hopefully, you know, middle ground, a place where 
everyone can uh, feel comfortable and safe, um, whether it's in a social or work or other setting. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought up uh, the workplace because many of us are now having conversations with our employers about going back to work. Um, do you have any sort of suggestions or thoughts about how employers can make the transition back to the office comfortable for their employees? Again, it's going back to like following public health uh, guidelines, um, being able to check in with employees around um, where they're at, um, what supports they may need, what would uh, be different in terms of their work needs, sort of in this next phase of the pandemic compared to the phase we've just been through. And having some flexibility and openness, knowing that it's very unlikely we're going to return to what life was like before the pandemic and that adjustments and modifications and other changes are likely going to have to be made in the coming months, if not, if not longer. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people have children who are going back to school and it's been a, a strange year for students. I know in Quebec, they've had a lot of success with keeping students in the classroom, but at least in Ontario, where I live, we've had this back and forth between online learning and classroom learning. And a lot of parents are likely feeling anxious about their kids having, for all intents and purposes, lost a year of formal education. How would you say parents should try and address the anxiety that they themselves might be feeling and the anxiety that they might possibly be projecting onto their kids? Well, it always starts with being aware, you know, of what you're experiencing, not judging it, um, but Mm -hmm. rather trying to come to a place of understanding, you know, what do I need right now to help me better manage, you know, my anxiety, uh, promote my health, my well-being, you know, do I need to reach out to a professional to assist me, like my primary care provider or a regulated health professional who can do psychotherapy Um, or one of the online formats that are currently available without cost, like Mind Beacon or CMHA Bounce Back Ontario, for example. How can I, you know, meet the needs so that I am feeling um, in a place where anxiety isn't overwhelming, you know, I can focus on what I need to do and not being judgmental or worried about, Mm -hmm. you know, well, should I reach out? Absolutely. If, if you're concerned about your well-being or somebody else's well-being when it comes to their mental health, reach out. Reach out to your social circle, reach out to professionals and get that support and care. I was curious about uh, the role you think public health messaging might play in this situation. I know that for a lot of people, um, the, the back and forth uh, in public health information in the last year has caused a quite a bit of anxiety. You know, this vaccine is safe for people over 50. Now it's not. This vaccine should be is is okay to take as a second dose. Now it's not. And we understand that that's how science goes. But do you think that part of alleviating the anxiety associated with the reopening might be to think about public health communications and trying to be clear and having a concise message? Would that, do you think, help to alleviate some of the anxiety that people might be feeling? Well, I mean, it's it's so complex, and as you know, it's always evolving, um, as you stated. I think, you know, we do know uncertainty definitely drives anxiety, and, and I think most of us would love to think that we can be certain and we make plans and 
we have you know a strong foundation to act from and i think what this pandemic has really shown us and it has not been an easy uh, lesson by any means is that um there really isn't necessarily um always certainty and we may not have the level of control um that we would you know feel most comfortable having and so how do we again um, navigate this? And we're not alone. You know, there's many of us feeling this way. But how do we navigate this uncertainty and this ever-changing um, information and landscape so that it's not impairing us from you know, doing what really matters to us or caring for the people that we want to care for or doing the work or learning um, that we're setting out to do? So, um, and that, that will involve probably different strategies. So, um, you know, sticking to the facts. Um, anxiety is really driven by, um, you know, underestimating our ability to cope and overestimating the risk. So as much as we mm-hmm. can, you know, keep going back to the facts and, you know, the belief in self that we can cope and building up our coping strategies. So starting with, you know, general wellness, how do we make sure that our sleep is a priority, that we're eating regularly and healthy, that we're getting some form of physical activity, whatever might be possible in your given circumstance, that we have some level of social connection, even if it's not to the same depth or degree that we would um, ideally have, you know, continuing to um, reach out and make connections and not be isolated. And then there's more formal um, therapies, including cognitive behavioral therapy or mindfulness-based interventions that can be extremely effective in managing anxiety, depression, and other mental health symptoms. Dr. McDougall, thank you very much for being on the program today. You've given us a lot of great information and a lot of things to think about. Thanks a lot for chatting with us today. Thank you so much for having me. That was Dr. Arlene McDougall, who is Assistant Professor in the Departments of Psychiatry and Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the Schulich School of Medicine at Western University. She was in London, Ontario. If you missed my conversation or you'd like to go over my conversation again with Dr. McDougall, you can find the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. While you're there, don't forget to like, rate, or subscribe. And don't forget to tell your friends about the podcast so they can check us out as well. You can also head on over to ami.ca forward slash on the pulse. I occasionally write on the blog as well and provide a few tips and tricks. I have a lot to think over for this particular episode because as I came clean during the interview. I am someone who struggles with a lot of social anxiety. So I have a lot of things to puzzle over and think through after my conversation with Dr. McDougall, who I would like to thank for being on my program today. She was a great guest and it was a pleasure having her with us today. Nasreen Abdul-Majid is the technical producer for The Pulse. Andy Frank is the manager for AMI-audio. Paula Deneen is our technical supervisor. If you have feedback for us, you can always find us on Twitter at AMI-audio. Use the hashtag PulseAMI and you can always write to us on Twitter. Otherwise, you can send us an email, write to feedback at ami.ca or give us a call at 1-866-509-4545. That's 1-866-509-4545. And do give us your permission to play the audio on the program. As I said off the top of the show, I hope that if you're planning to get a vaccine, I hope that all goes well for you. And do stay safe, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll catch you again in the space You've been listening to The Pulse on AMI-audio, and I've been your host, Joyita Gupta. Thanks for listening.
This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.